wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at the subject, the weekly Sabbath. Is it still relevant? And today our co-host is Helen Gray. And Helen is uh, the lay pastor of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. It's a delight to be here. It, it really, really is. is. Would you like to tell the listeners what you've just put me through? Oh, I'm sorry, Gary. We got held up on the traffic and, whoa, you might hear me puffing a little bit. We just ran in the door and, oh, I've never seen such a welcome in all my life. You actually looked at me uh, 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 sweating at the, at the present time. <laughs> yes, I, I was a little bit worried there, actually, Helen, because uh, I have to admit the countdown when 30 seconds ago you weren't sitting in that chair, I was starting to get a little bit concerned. That's probably the... <laughs> finest that we've actually ever um, we, we've ever run uh, that particular uh, welcome. But praise God, we got here and we got here safely. Yeah, welcome, so, Helen. It's been you. wonderful to have you with us again. Now thank you've you. just driven down from the Birdwood Church. Yes, I have. What, yes. Are the, what are the flowers like up there at the moment? Oh, look, everything's beautiful. The grass is so green, the flowers are beautiful, you know. You look at the trees and some of those trees are in blossom. You've got the white blossoms and the pink blossoms. Yeah. Don't you wish you were there? I do actually <laughs> wish I was there because I, I, I've driven through the Adelaide Hills many, many times. And this mm. time of the year, that blossom is just so absolutely gorgeous. It is. Uh, ab- absolutely love it. Now, this week, uh, Helen, we're actually going to be talking about the weekly Sabbath. Is it still relevant? But before we go there, what I'd love to do is to share with you um, a news article that comes very recently from the Adventist News Service. Now, this particular article is entitled, At 79, a lady, lady copies a Bible by hand. Wow. And this is, this is what it says. When she lost her husband in 2014, Maria was understandably very sad. She's a Seventh-day Adventist since 1983 who lives in the city of Imbuna in, in Brazil. She sought out means of, of dealing with her grief. I thought, look, what am I going to do? And then she decided, I'm going to transcribe the Bible. I'm not going to do it in my own words. I'm going to copy it word for word, she said. Since then, Maria has set aside a few hours each week to read and copy every word in the scriptures. At the end of June 2020, uh, she turned 79. Maria continues her hand copying from the new translation in today's language, a version of the Bible uh, that's similar to today's English version. Copying from the Old Testament, Maria has already reached the book of Daniel and from the New Testament, the gospel according to Luke. The portions transcribed so far have been bound into three volumes. For me, it's a good thing because I'm both writing and learning, Maria said. It's very good because I have this wonderful contact with the Word of God. This personal project has inspired her family. 
Maria's granddaughter, speaks admiringly of her grandmother's dedication. Wherever she travels, her suitcase may be overcrowded, but she finds time to take her Bible with sheets of paper and pens. Wherever she is, she stops for a while and even if she wants to even to write five verses, but she does stop. I think it's beautiful. Sometimes she recites and shares with us the lesson she's learned from, uh, from the reading. For me, the best thing in life, she says, is to write the word of the Lord. I feel so fulfilled. Helen, what do you think of a uh, of a practice like that? I think it's just amazing. I met somebody not so long ago here in South Australia, and he was telling me that his wife is doing just that. She's copying the the Bible okay. out by hand, okay. and she said that she is learning so much by doing it. And um, yeah, perhaps it it could be. I mean, I know I've done that with various texts, but I've never tackled the whole Bible. But yeah, for some people, it can be very f- fulfilling. I know, mm. I know. In my uh, in my own personal devotional life, on a couple of occasions, I've actually recopied a number of the books of the Bible. I, I have actually done something similar to this. I haven't gone to this extent because there mm. are some portions of the Bible that I find very hard to recopy. You know, some mm. of the genealogies, some of those parts uh, are, are more challenging. But the thing that I'm really conscious of is that uh, the books that I have actually handwritten I found there are things that jump out at yes. you that otherwise you totally miss. Yeah, yeah. What we we don't copy by hand, but what we've been doing at Birdwood with our prayers is that we've been writing a text as per the Bible mm-hmm. and then putting it into our, our words as a prayer. Mm. And that's mm. been quite fulfilling too for each of us. Mm. Helen, I'm really conscious about, I mean, this is talking about devotional time. Yeah. Now, how do you, I mean, you have personal devotions, obviously. Yes. How do you actually do that? <laughs> I do it because bring, God brings me to it and he takes me through it. Um, quite often I'm awake at four in the morning, mm-hmm. um, sometimes a little earlier, but I think the Lord likes the time between two and four with me. Mm-hmm. And um, I did make a covenant with him a long time ago that if he would wake me up and um, allow me to have, you know, the Holy Spirit to interpret, I would study his word. But the reason I wanted to study, Gary, was I was a teacher and I was a preacher. And I, I just said to him one day, I said, I'm tired of just learning or reading or studying just to teach or preach. I want to get to know who you are. And God's kept his word. So it's in other words, to amazing. really come to understand who Jesus is, you have actually been working your way through the Bible? Do you do it systematically? I usually work on a study. I mean, I study anyway to teach, but I work on personal studies with him. And a lot a lot has to do, I must admit, even though I'm teaching the sanctuary at the moment up at Birdwood, a lot of it has to do with the sanctuary. And one thing I love doing, Gary, is praying through the sanctuary, mm. which we haven't dealt with in Birdwood yet, but I'm keen to, to go through that with them as well. You know, there's so much in the Bible, Gary. As you say, it jumps out at you. Mm. And and let me just say today, and I don't think I'm betraying any trust here, but in our study today, we were studying what was inside the ark. And I got really excited. Mm. And I said to them, as you want to do. As I want to do, Gary. (laughs) And I thought, I wonder if they know this. And you know how many times I have thought about the ark, and I know the table of stones was in there, and I know that's not what we're discussing today, but I want to show you what happens. The table of stones, the manna, and and Aaron's rod. And everybody said, yes, Aaron's rod. It budded. Full stop. Mm. But it was a complete miracle. Not only did it bud amongst 
11 other rods, mm. which weren't in the ark. Mm. They all were mm. outside. Mm. But it budded, it blossomed, and it produced it fr- fruit, fruit yeah. overnight. Yeah. Yes. Hello. That was an absolute miracle. Yeah. And, and just to go through that slowly and, and just to see that God preserved that mm. and he preserved the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness – what have we got to fear for the future? Yeah. Bread and water are sure. Yeah. And it's, it can be so fulfilling and uplifting, Gary. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. You know, Helen, the thing that I'm so conscious of, this week we're actually talking about the importance of having Sabbath rest. Yeah. But, you know, I'm so conscious as well that it's so important that we have this daily rest as well. Absolutely. You know, it's so important to actually be able to turn around and to just spend the day, uh, spend a portion of the day with our God. If we miss that portion, the day certainly for me, doesn't seem to go quite as well. Something missing. There is. There is. Yeah. Yeah, No, I think it's a very beautiful thing, you know. Not only has the Lord said to us, hey, I want you to have a day off every week, but he said, hey, I want you to come to me on a daily basis as well. Do you know what I find really, really, which really lifts my my heart, and that was, the and it's happened many a time now, but the first time it ever happened, I was so amazed. I woke up singing praises to God. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful, Beautiful, beautiful feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, what a beautiful way to start the day. That was nothing to do with me. That was absolutely God and the Holy yeah. Spirit. But I actually love that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's 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 like He allows you to wake up praising Him, and you wake up and you think, Wow, I'm still here. Yeah. What's yeah. He got in mind today? I'm so conscious that we actually finish our program normally with that text from John fourteen twenty seven. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and oh, heart, yes. and the peace that I give. Is not like the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. I love that particular passage because to me it's so powerful. Uh, But what we actually have there is something that to me I find is bestowed upon us when we spend time just quietly with our maker before the day begins. Doesn't it calm you down before the day goes? It does. It does. You know, even if you've got something on your mind or you're concerned about something, it's like the Lord says, come apart. You know, come, let us reason together. And I believe that we do need to come apart before we come apart. And there's been days where I, as you probably have felt, Gary, quite swamped. Mm. And I'll sit on the chair and I'll just say, okay. Deep breath. Let's just talk to the Father. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And it's like he seems to clear the head. The Bible is into rest. Yes. I, I love the way yeah. the scriptures actually present. You know, th- this isn't a works orientated thing. No. But here we, what we've got is the, the scriptures reveal to us ways where we can have genuine rest. There are so many mm. people, I'm so conscious, in our world who really do not have peace. And yet within mm. the scriptures, what we actually find are some practical. Uh, Practical examples of how I can have peace. Mm. Love what's in the scriptures. But let's come to some mm. music. Uh, this is Christian Badal of Find Us Faithful. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. And those who've gone before us line the way. Cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize. 
But as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through God. Christian Badal, find us faithful. What incredible words. You know, that is something that I believe the Word of God constantly points us to. Well, folks, just a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, uh, free gifts for you, uh, for you right now. This week we've been talking about the relevance of the Sabbath. The re- how relevant is the Sabbath in the day and age in which we're living? A uh, wonderful little book if you'd like to uh, uh, request it. The book is uh, When God Said Remember. Uh, this uh, 
this book is a it's really fantastic it covers this entire subject it talks about the relevance it gives the biblical foundation for uh, uh, for this particular subject uh, guys if you'd like to uh, request a copy of When God Said Remembers, please just text to your name, your address and your phone number to 0438 066635. That's 0438 066635. Helen, love to be able to, uh, to, to come to you. But before we do, I'd just love to uh, bring you to a, a book that I purchased uh, 12 months, uh, 18 months ago. It's actually entitled The Christian Consumer. Now, uh, this book isn't written by Seventh-day Adventist people at mm. all. In fact, it comes as a result of an academic study, and it's printed by Oxford University Press. Now, it's one of those books that I wasn't expecting to find a lot of deep theology in it. But this particular book, The Christian Consumer, has actually got a very significant portion that deals with this issue of Sabbath. This is, uh, this is what, it, what it said. The Sabbath is a time set apart for communion with God, which takes the focus off human striving and places it on God's purposes. By muting the hubbub of everyday human work, we may attend to the softer, deeper tones of the work that God does in this world, unaided by human hands. Without setting aside time to listen to God's quiet activity, we might see human work as the most important thing in the world. We might even start to idolise it. Sabbath-keeping undercuts this potential for idolatry. Now, what do you think of that, uh, Helen? Does that sort of relate to us today? I believe so. I love those words. Absolutely. Um, I think it's very relevant to today because we can get we can get so caught up in the everyday things mm. but to put that aside and as he said to mute to mute all those things i love that you know and and literally be in the presence i know there's a lot of things out at the moment called mindfulness mm. being mindful mm. being in the present mm. but sometimes we don't necessarily think of that in relationship to god mm. you know to put out all the sounds from the world and just spend that day with him you know all your morning devotions it's the same sort of thing except god has he's appointed that day for us we have an appointment with him yeah. and i want to keep it every week and i just love love the sabbath gary just yeah. love it you know one of the things i've just yes. just learned about my my kids actually taught me about the mute button on the uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the television tele and one of the things that you know they certainly do is when the ads come on mm-hmm. they hit the the mute button mm-hmm. and you can't hear any of any of the ads i think this is a this is a wonderful little button mm. and do you know how much we actually need that in the mm. world in which we're living today but you know this um, book actually uh, continues on and it, it is it's the christian consumer printed uh, by oxford university press uh, By taking on God's perspective on the Sabbath, humans come to appreciate what God wants from us. And God's agenda, they say, the book says, is far from empty. The Sabbath also teaches humility. According um, uh, to one writer, it's time for humans to remember that reliance on God, that 
we need reliance on God, not their own works. It teaches the value of non-action in relationship to God. Refraining from working on Sabbath is an indication of total dependence on God. Uh, what one has is not the result of work, but rather it's a free gift from God. Amen. I mean, I'm starting to yes. look at the uh, the passion that I'm starting to, to read this book with because what we actually have here is some incredibly deep theology from a book that's talking about consumerism. Mm. Uh, it, it goes on. Observing the Sabbath then means more than simply slowing down the pace of activity and simply living one day out of seven. It also means trusting God's provision and humbly seeding the illusion of control over one's life. Uh, this personal transformation can mean altered consumption habits both on the Sabbath and throughout the rest of the week. Wow. Does it make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell tell me, Helen, you haven't always been a person who has, uh, you know, kept a Sabbath. Uh, But uh, you're keeping a Sabbath now. You keep keep Saturday as as the Sabbath. Yes. How did you you find it when when you first uh, made that transition? Because it's a huge transition, really. It is a huge transition, Gary. The thing is, um, I thought it would feel very awkward. I thought this is not what we normally do on a Sabbath. And the very first Sabbath we entered a church, I can remember sitting down and thinking, I actually feel at home. I feel like I've come home. Never ever kept Sunday in the way that we keep Sabbath, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Never before. My father did try because he was opposed to us and he tried to keep Sunday like a person who keeps the Sabbath. Now, some people might do it, but his heart wasn't in it. He was just mm-hmm. doing it to show, you know, well, this is the day. And I think he got to about lunchtime and that was it for him because mostly on a Sunday we would go to church, yes, and spend time with some people. But in the afternoon you'd go out and, you know, do your own thing. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd go and play games or, or um, you know, do your washing, whatever. Yeah, it was like, yeah, well, we've yeah. done our duty. That is totally different when it comes to the Sabbath. And by the way, I don't keep the Sabbath because somebody there says, your church says you have to keep the Sabbath. I had a Baptist minister ask me one day, he said, you have to keep the Sabbath. Your church says so. I said, I don't keep the Sabbath because my church says so. I keep the Sabbath because my Lord says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And I love him. He loves me even more. And that's the most important thing. He loves me. You know, when we get sinners, he still, he died for us, Gary. I can't quite get my head around that sometimes, but that has made such a difference. And to know that we were sitting in a Sabbath-keeping church and following what God said in the Bible, and I was convicted by that stage that it was Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Yeah, we're, going to come, we're going to come to that in just, uh, just a little mm. while. But, mm. you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that uh, somebody said to me once, they said, hey, you know, this Sabbath keeping is a very legalistic thing. And uh, my response to them at that time was, if a command to have a rest every week is actually legalistic, then, hey, please bring it on. Because, yes. you know, one of the, to, to me, one of the most beautiful things is to be able to have that thing called rest. You know, mm. I, I know that on, uh, on Sabbath, I actually like to turn off the technology. 
mm. to actually have a quiet day without being buzzed all the time, mm-hmm. um, without the the background of a television, or you know, is such an incredible blessing. Gary, it is. Can I just add, though, we're not just talking about physical rest. Yeah. We're talking about spiritual rest. We're talking about emotional rest. We're talking about mental rest. Yeah. It's like that day God has said, okay, let's rejuvenate you. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great way. You come to the end of the week, you spend that day with him, and then on Sunday it's like, wow, Mm. I've, I've got that new energy, spiritually, mentally, and whatever. It's just an amazing day, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you totally. I mean, to me, uh, the, the, this this day is more and more relevant. The faster the pace of life goes, the more and more relevant this day actually appears to be to me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, look, but Helen, look. Let's come to the scriptures because it's so important that what we do be firmly based in the authority of the Word of God. Yes. Uh, to me, I'm just so conscious we can't just make up um, those things that we we. Do. What did Christ have to say about the Sabbath? You know, is there, is there any evidence of Sabbath practices in the New Testament church? Because this is really key. Uh, share with us. Okay, well, um, we have been touching on through the week how important the Sabbath is. And I think we've come to that conclusion what day is the Sabbath? Uh, and tomorrow night we're going to get in even deeper as the Sabbath and Sunday. But when and we tomorrow look at night, it, can, I, can I just encourage our listeners, uh, uh, please, um, you must hear tomorrow night's presentation because tomorrow night what we're dealing with there is uh, if the Bible talks about the seventh day, Saturday, Sabbath, where did Sunday come from and how did it uh, How did it? Arise, yes. and yes. Uh, this is this is going to be a really important presentation. So I, can I, I encourage so our lecturers, mm-hmm. our, our listeners, to please come and join join with us tomorrow night. But yeah. Helen, yeah. back to you again. Okay, I, I I did a study on the Sabbath before I became a Sabbath keeper, and one thing I wanted to do was follow Jesus, and so I wanted definition through the Bible that He actually kept the Sabbath holy. That was my first thought in my head, and so if we turn to Luke, um, if we turn to Luke. In Luke 4, verse 16, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation here, and it says, When he came to the village, this is Jesus, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. I think the King James says, as his custom was. Yeah, yeah. You know, so being a custom, it tells me he didn't just go once. Yeah, yeah. This was his you regular know. practice, yes. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And he stood up for to read, of course. You know, and if we look, um, if we even look further back, Adam and Eve kept the Sabbath mm. on the the day after they were created. I think that is so beautiful. <laughs> I, I think that's a wonder. You know, I mean, people actually miss the significance of that yeah. because the first full day they're alive, uh, God says, I want you to have a relationship with me. Yes. You know, I want mm. relationship. And, mm. you know, to me, what an incredible gift. That's actually given to them on the first full day. I don't want you to go and work on the first day of your work. I want you to be able to rest. I want you to be able to worship. I want you to have relationship with me. What a, what yeah. a God we serve. And the thing is, he was virtually saying, I want you to rest in my love because they weren't tired from working. Yeah. 
you know, that was their first full day. I I think that's that's beautiful. And I think, you know, I often think, boy, I wish I'd got married on a Friday and then spent the first. (laughs) But anyway, it didn't happen. But anyway, if we go through the Old Testament, we can certainly see that the old prophets, Abraham, Isaac and what have you. But that was important, but it was more important for me to see that Jesus did it as well. Yeah. And, you know, he was the one that actually gave the command. But not only did he, he keep it as his custom was, right throughout Scripture, there has been many, many things to show us why it's important or mm. how important it is for God. Mm. Look at, and I didn't hear all the, <clears throat> all the, um, Radio broadcast this week, Gary. I'm sorry, I've heard some of them, and I don't know if this was mentioned. But the manna in the wilderness. Yeah, that was. We, we talked about that one yesterday. Actually. Well, yeah. you know, it's just that we talked about that in Birdwood yeah. today because manna was put into the Ark of the yeah. Testament yeah. as well, yeah. and it's just so important when you look at it and you think, okay, six days a week they had to pick up what they needed. If they took too much, it was rotten the next day. Yeah. But on on the preparation day. The Friday, God said, pick up two omers. Mm. You know, not just one, pick up two. And they found that next day it was still edible. And it was to me, that was God saying, remember the Sabbath day. Day, you know, which I think is really important, mm. you know, and and also if you were to look, even Jesus in his death, did he not yeah. also show us? Yeah, what share did the, he share what did this he one do? with this one because this is really important. Okay, well, it, it's interesting when Jesus actually died. Um, he actually let me have a look in. I think it's in Luke again, um, Gary. Unless you've got another text there. Yeah, I'm thinking Luke twenty three, um, twenty three. Where am I? Let me have a look. Yes, I think you agree? you'd be about, uh, about right there. Okay, yes. Okay, so they took the body down from the cross. They wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth, laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of the rock. That was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation. Mm. Okay, so here we're very clear. The day before the Sabbath was called the day of preparation. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and according to that, just, just read this passage, this whole passage, because of course this is Luke twenty three verse fifty six, and it mm-hmm. flows across into uh, uh, chapter twenty four and the first two verses. How about you the, read it for us? Yeah, 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 sure. This yeah. is uh, this is what it says. Uh, then they returned. This is the ladies uh, and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. What did it say? They rest, what? They, they rest on the Sabbath according yes. to the commandment. Okay. Uh, now, you. on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices with which they had prepared. What you've actually got here is preparations occurring on Friday, resting according to the to the Sabbath, and then on Sunday, the first day of the week, they come and do what they regard as legitimate work. But did you notice that they stopped what they would normally do when someone died? They would literally embalm them, you know, with all the different spices. But because the Sabbath was coming on... They did not finish that. You know, I would have thought that, you know, surely we could make an exception on the Sabbath for embalming the body of Christ. This is the very body of Christ. Surely, you know, that would be legitimate work. Mm. It's not how it happened, though. Well, no, no. I believe the Sabbath was... I mean, let me just clarify this. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We know that. He also said it is not wrong to do good on the Sabbath day, and we know that too. But but here, I'm I, for me, he's showing me how important that Sabbath day is. You know, he rose on the first day of the week. 
Mm. Have we got that? Mm. He rose on the first day of the week. We're going to follow through with that tomorrow night. Yes, and I think that's very important. But the day in between was the Sabbath, and that was the day that Jesus rested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think there's an example here for us. But the example, too, was because his custom was to go to the synagogue, which means while we're alive, our custom needs to be the same as his. Okay, so that was uh, Christ was a Jew. Some have said to me that, you know, Christ was a Jew. Mm. Uh, What would you expect him to do? While he was on earth, but to go to and worship on uh, on a Saturday Sabbath. That's what the Jews was did. Was Adam a Jew? That's that's good, but what, what about? <laughs> let's push this post post Christ. Okay. You know, I, I'm really conscious that there are you know there are some very legitimate questions that Absolutely. are asked about this particular subject that yes. we that we need to actually pick up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm conscious. You know, over in uh, over in Mark. Uh, he's actually talking to them about the Sabbath, and of course, one of the real challenges for uh, for the Jewish uh, Jewish nation was that the Sabbath had actually been redesigned by the religious leaders. You know that that which had been given as a day of rest mm-hmm. had actually become a, a almost a burden, a burden, a burden to a the burden. people. And uh, and Christ actually says in uh, in Mark um, two verse uh, twenty seven, he said to them, "The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." Now, to me, this is really significant because the Son of Man is Lord of what day? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. What day is the Sabbath? That's the seventh day that's of the, the week. Seventh day of the week. The Lord says, "Remember." Christ is says that He is Lord of the Sabbath. Yes. Now I hear a lot today about the Lord's Day. Yes. What day is the Lord's Day? Now that's interesting. Depending who you talk to, Gary, it is. And yes. and if you go and, and look at the, look at the uh, the literature that is actually out there, yes. this is actually in dispute. But you know, here to me, I look at this and I say, anyone. Hey, Christ is actually defining the Sabbath day. I believe so. As the Lord's day. Yes, yes. There is some dispute in a, a text in Revelation, I think, where the Lord's day is mentioned. John was there on the Lord's day. And some have said that's still referring to the Sabbath. Others say it's talking about the day the Lord is coming. And, and of course... And in, it could be either. Uh, yes. That's right. In that case. It's, it's but, ill-defined in that yes. particular case. So we yes. actually can't make mm. a, a final um, a conclusion on that particular no. text alone. This is where it's so mm. important to actually look at all the passages of Scripture that deal with this particular subject or any particular subject that we're studying with because in in looking at all the texts, they come together and they actually weave a pattern. Yes. And it's so important to actually look at the pattern that is being Woven uh, throughout Scripture, you know when <clears throat> when I started studying, coming into this this uh, beautiful Bible, um, I was told that if you can line it up the, like a picket fence, get all your texts together, and if it's a straight picket fence, you're pretty well on track. But if it looks like a dog's hind leg, there's something wrong somewhere. Uh, exactly. And, yeah. do you know, I think that you've actually brought out a really important uh, point there because in theology, that's called hermeneutics. Now, I know that's a really big word, and I don't like hitting really big words, but hermeneutics means how do I actually interpret the Bible? And to me, it, this, this is so important as Bible students that we dig into the meaning of, uh, of the Scripture. If, in fact... 
there are uh, maybe one or two passages that seem to be contradicting what the main bulk of passages are saying on a subject, then I found in my life, in my Bible study, I have to look at those passages and I have to say, hey, there is a problem. And who is the problem with? The problem is with my understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have discovered that by saying, hey, you know, what is the pattern that is actually woven in Scripture on any particular subject? It will send me in a particular direction. There may be some passages that aren't as clear as others. But do you know what I discover is that when I go back and I dig into them, looking at them in the light of the big pattern of Scripture, I get remarkable insights Mm. actually come out because the Scriptures will explain themselves. Do you find that? That's true. Yeah, Gary, but let me just say, before we actually opened the Scriptures today, I actually uh, prayed to God. And I did it silently because I don't like opening the Scripture without first asking a the holy spirit to give me enlightenment but also i don't want to give the opposition any chance of getting a thought in my head that's my own interpretation Okay. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides and directs. Okay. Yeah. And look, that is so important in in what we're actually sharing because it is when the Holy Spirit actually directs my mind. Mm. But to me, it is the Spirit who is able to pull together those patterns. Oh, I agree with you. I, Absolutely. I'm amazed how many times the Holy Spirit actually directs my mind from one passage to another. Yeah and links them together. One passage actually explains another passage, and that's what we find here Mm -hmm. in the Scriptures. But we're not here to talk about that particular subject today. We need to come back to the Sabbath. Uh, Helen, look, I'm conscious our time is starting to run away. Mm -hmm. Look, what about in the book of Acts? Now, the thing I'm really conscious of is that, uh, to me, it's it's very obvious that, uh, that Christ was a Sabbath keeper. He was a Jew. And this is what I've had thrown at me. You know, Christ was a was a Jew. You know, you would expect him to keep the Sabbath. He kept the Sabbath. Uh, but after his resurrection, he changed it. And of course, there's no biblical basis. In fact, I, I well remember when I was a young man, a, uh, a, an evangelist came to town and he made this offer. You know, he, he came and he said, hey, I am prepared to give a thousand dollars to anybody who can show me the text that says, you know, that the Sabbath has been changed. He never had to. And he never had to. And this, oh, I'm amazed in, the, in that particular sermon because mm. I, I know there were people who were ready to look at the, look at the scriptures and claim mm. his thousand dollars. Mm. It was never claimed. It never has mm. been claimed. It can't be claimed because it doesn't exist. That's right. But, Helen, tell us, the new te- in the book of Acts, because that's the New Testament church, Yes. what's the example in the New Testament church in the book of Acts? Well, let me just preface that by saying I was sent an email from a, a very good pastor friend of mine and I read it and I thought yeah that's that makes sense and he told me where he got it from I thought that was a very good reading and but I thought I'm going to go back and check the source and I went back and I looked this was a newspaper article and I looked at the source so it was a Christian newspaper article and I looked at the source of it and I was horrified when I went in to see what they thought about the Sabbath mm-hmm. and number one they tried to justify, yes, it had been changed. Number two, they downed us as Seventh-day Adventists that kept the Sabbath. And then number three, they said there is nothing to say that the first church kept the Sabbath day. And I thought, this is terribly interesting. 
you know, and had I had the time, I would have written back because you, you just brought up Acts. Mm. And here were the disciples keeping the Sabbath day, you know, and I found Share that... with us some of those passages in the book. I mean, what was, what was the example that was occurring in the book of Acts? Okay, well, Paul and Barnabas for a start. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's where you're heading. I'm actually in Acts 13. Where were you? Well, I'm actually in Acts 16, so why don't you oh, share well, yours okay. first? <laughs> Acts 16 was Paul and Barnabas. They left the synagogue that day, and, they, and the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. And I believe that there were three weeks in a row where they were asked to come. Mm. Back and that's the Sabbath day. So what's that passage? Just that uh, was Acts thirteen forty two. Would you read that for us, okay. Helen? I think it's important to actually take the passage from the scriptures. Yep, I agree with you. So I'm going to read from forty two to forty four. It says, "As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts." To Judaism, mm. followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Oh, wouldn't I love the entire city in Birdwood to come out and hear? And what me day preach. was that occurring on? That was the Sabbath. It was a, so what we get is yes. Paul and Barnabas. Now we're now talking, you know, twenty twenty years post post the mm-hmm. cross. Mm-hmm. What we find here is the example of Paul and Barnabas, and they're actually yes. worshiping with Gentile yes. converts yeah. on the Sabbath day. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know Paul wasn't just doing it on his own. You'll see that he was worshiping with another apostle. You know, he had Barnabas mm. with him, yeah. and there are other examples in Scripture as well. What have you got there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, to to me, I uh, I love the example in Acts chapter uh, chapter sixteen. This is verse thirteen, and uh, this is what the what the record is in in this particular passage. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down there and spoke to certain women who met there. You know, to me, this is a a city where there apparently is no synagogue. So what does Paul attempt to do on the Sabbath day? Well, he goes out. Apparently there is a spot somewhere outside under the tree, under a tree uh, beside the river where they know that prayer is made. What are they wanting to do? On the Sabbath day, they're wanting to find somewhere where they can actually worship yeah. with, with with believers. Yeah. Uh, to me, this is this is powerful. It is absolutely, you know. And and the interesting thing is that why did they even think that there would be people at the riverbank? Mm. You know, when you stop and, and analyze this 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 particular text, they thought people would be meeting there for prayer. Why? Because they had seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't just a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Mm. You know, this here we are, it's actually on the Sabbath that it says that they went out a little way and yeah. found them. Yeah. Mm. So the practice of Paul, Paul of all people, mm-hmm. Barnabas, the apostles there, yep. is actually worshipping on the Sabbath day, Amen. 20 years yep. after the cross. Yes. Wow. Let's come to some uh, some music. Let's uh, let's enjoy Wendell Kimbara. Uh, I shall not be shaken.
is my rock and my salvation, my fortress strong. I'll trust in Him. I'll not be shaken. I'll not be shaken. For all my hope is in His love. From God alone comes my salvation. I'll wait and trust His Wendell Kimbara, I Shall Not Be Shaken. Um, what a beautiful song that really is. Well, folks, if you're here in Adelaide, I'd, I've got a lovely offer uh, for you in just a couple of weeks' times. As uh, as some of you are aware, I'm the, the pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in, uh, here in Adelaide. Uh, in just a couple of weekends' time, we're going to be commencing... Uh, 
in worship. Now, we, we love to be able to, to study the Word of God. I have a series coming up entitled The End Times, Four Angels and the Gospel's Climax. Not many people actually realize uh, that, in fact, the Gospel does actually climax. The book of Revelation talks about a time in which the, uh, the Gospel will climax uh, in a, an amazing way. Uh, we're going to be uh, sharing The End Times, Four Angels and the Gospel Climax. If you, that's 10 sessions, 10 Sabbaths in a row. That's going to commence at 11 a.m. on, on the 19th of September and move right through until the 21st of November every single Saturday in the Brighton Seventh day Adventist Church. If you'd love to come and hear that particular series, we'd love to have you come and join with us. That's the end times, four angels and the gospels climax. You're listening to uh, to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray, and Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. And folks, if you happen to be in Adelaide and you want another lovely church to go to, uh, the Birdwood Church up in the Adelaide Hills. It's a beautiful drive to get up there. You'll enjoy, you'll love being able to to go up there. Uh, that's a, that's a church that uh, I cannot. Can I encourage you to please, you'll get the warmest possible welcome up there. Uh, so please, if you'd like to come to the uh, Birdwood Church, you'll be most welcome. This week we're looking at the weekly Sabbath and we're asking, is it still relevant? And today we're looking at the practice of Christ in the early uh, New Testament church. Uh, tell me something, Helen, bring it all together. We're starting to run out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to add just as we as we finish this particular subject? Yeah, just a couple of things, Gary, if I may. Um, we mentioned about Adam keeping the Sabbath, Adam and Eve, and that was at the beginning of the Bible. And it is mentioned quite often throughout the Bible, but it even finishes in Revelation. It talks about in um, Revelation 14, 12. I think you would know that one by heart, Gary. Do you want to share it with us? Yeah, look, I, I tell you, that is one that I think is actually really important that we do actually uh, uh, do actually look at uh, Revelation fourteen twelve mm-hmm. actually actually says um, says this and uh, this is going to be one of those passages that actually I'm going to be dealing with in this series that mm-hmm. uh, that I'll be doing. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. I, uh, th- mm-hmm. That is actually a, a remarkable statement because you get a number of statements in the book of Revelation that identifies those who are going to be saved and one of the, uh, I suppose, how they can be identified at the end of time. Amen, Gary. Absolutely. You know, um, God's children who are preparing for eternity, they will keep the commandments. You know, and that's very obvious there. So I just wanted to stress that. You know, it's it's not just the Old Testament; it's the New. And the other thing is too the question that that I have had thrown at me a few times. It's it's is a person who keeps a seventh day Sabbath demonstrating that he or she believes in being saved by works. And I've had that thrown at me several times, Gary. But I, I, you know, I bring you back to John fourteen fifteen, and it says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." You've got something you want to share? I can see on your look on your face, Gary. Are you look actually? Uh, no, look. I, I think you make a, a very powerful point there. Mm. Do you know? <laughs> One of my favorite passages of scripture is that passage that says uh, Paul, from Paul in the book of Ephesians, For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. The way a person, 
the way any of any person is saved is through God's grace. Absolutely. You know, to, to me, it, it's not even by our faith. Our faith actually takes hold of God's grace. It's by grace that we are saved, according to Paul. You know, the Sabbath mm. has got nothing to do with it, mm. with our salvation. But, you mm. know, one of the things I'm so conscious of, Helen, is I really appreciate a God who's prepared to say, I don't want your life to be a burden. No. I don't want your life. I don't want you to be a slave to the treadmill. I want you to have a day and to have a day, have a day to have a Sabbath with me. Amen. I thought you were going to start thumping the desk then, Gary. I thought, oh, everybody, you've got to go to this program that Gary's going to do. <laughs> this is, it's this, important. This is a subject yes. i become very passionate. Yes. You know, I, I just bring to our memory, you know, this, uh, this book, The Christian Consumer, mm-hmm. printed by Oxford University. To me, it sums it up just so well. By muting the hubbub of everyday work, we may attend yes. to the softer, deeper tones of the work that God does in this world, unaided by human hands, without setting aside time to listen to God's quiet activity, we might see human work as the most important thing in the world. We might even start to idolise it. Sabbath keeping undercuts this potential for idolatry. Do you know, this hasn't been written by a Seventh-day Adventist. It's not even written by a theologian. But as I read that, I sort of think, how powerful is that statement? Amen and amen yeah. is what I want to say to it. But, but Gary, you know, seriously, honestly, that that thing that we talked about just a moment, that text, you know, being saved by works. A lot of people think that. You mentioned before about being legalist and what have you. Yeah. God said he will write his laws in our heart. Yeah. And, you know, the psalmist David, he, he made a, a really good statement in, in uh, Psalm 40, verse 8. It says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I take joy. And that's what the Sabbath is all about, my friend. It's absolutely joyful. You know, I really appreciate what you've said there about King David because King David actually had an understanding of the law of God that so many of us don't have today. Mm. Uh, You know, I think a, a, a passage that I love is uh, as Psalm 19. And let me just read this to you. Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. They're more to be desired than gold. Yes, more than much fine gold. They're sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Do you know, the thing that amazes me here is what we've got is King David is actually making song, Mm. making love songs, if you like, um, to the law of God. He has an attitude to the law that that creates not a burden but an incredible blessing to him. Absolutely, Gary. In fact, there is a song today that we sing, you know, Sweeter Than Honey and the Honeycomb, which is absolutely beautiful. But, yes, I I wanted to finish on that one. I will take joy in doing your will, O Lord. And I guess we have to make a decision ourselves. And I would appeal to any listener, you know, obey God rather than man and stand for the truth. Search the scriptures. Do something that you need. 
Yes, you absolutely. Know. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for the Sabbath. Lord, thank you so much for giving it to us. Thank you for the blessing that you've given uh, to us in this day. Lord, thank you for the rest that it brings. Lord, I just want to pray for any of our listeners. Uh, Lord, if there's anyone who's struggling over, over this particular subject, I just pray that your spirit might, might stand with them. That, uh, Lord, that you might be the one to direct and to guide in their life, that indeed their life might be more restful. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when the Drive Time team ask, how did the Sabbath worship become Sunday worship? We're going to dig into history on this particular question. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Shane and Shane. Oh, worship the King. Oh, worship the